I'd like to welcome you for joining us at Prairie View Christian Church. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. We hope you had a Merry Christmas as well. Now, before I get started, I want to give a quick welcome uh, to some very important people uh, that are here this morning. Um, the Riddles are here, the former pastor who planted this church. Uh, but then on top of that, the Yettons are here. Uh, and Steve is not even in the room. Steve Yetton is here. Steve Yetton is the senior minister of Batesville Christian Church, uh, someone who I consider a brother in Christ, uh, just an incredible friend, um, and really a mentor. And his family is here with him as well, and, and they've been just as encouraging and supportive to us um, over our years of ministry. And uh, if there are things around here that you see me do that you appreciate and value, uh, Steve is probably someone who deserves pretty much all the credit for that. Um, If there are things that I do that annoy you, Steve deserves most of the blame for that. So, thankful for uh, both of those families to be here this morning. So, uh, for the past two years, we've talked about the same thing the Sunday after Christmas. Same thing each year, and that thing is time. In 2013, we talked about the future. In 2014, we talked about the past. And we're going to talk again about time this year. But if we've covered the future and we've covered the past, what does that leave us with to cover this morning? The present. Very good. We're going to talk about the present. Because while both looking at the future and looking at the past can be very, very valuable, we must be careful that we don't focus on the past or the future too much. After all, think about it. You can't change the past. The past has already happened. There's no way to go back and do it all over again. If you spend all your time thinking about the past, you could find yourself in despair over mistakes that you've made or regrets that you have. You may also find yourself nostalgic of all the past joys and past successes that you can never truly recreate. But in the same way that you can overfocus on the past, you can also spend too much time looking at the future. After all, there's only so much planning you can do. We love our calendars, we love our planners, but we probably all have stories of how our best laid plans have changed at the drop of a hat. After all, that is part of what makes the future so scary. There's so much unpredictability. I recently read the Chapman Survey of American Fears done by Chapman University in October of 2014. And they identified the top five fears that Americans most commonly cited. Those go like this. Number one, walking alone at night. Number two, becoming a victim of identity theft. Number three, safety on the Internet. Number four, becoming a victim of a mass or random shooting. Again, this study was done before the attacks in Paris or San Bernardino, so I'd imagine that will only continue to rise on the list. The fifth fear was public speaking. A couple of honorable mentions, common fears, the fear of running out of money, and the fear of illness. Now you look at these fears and you ask, what do they all have in common? What brings them all together? And the thing they all have in common is that they are things that could happen in the future. I assume for most of the people who were asked that question, those things haven't happened to them yet. But they could happen. It's all based on that question of what if? What if my identity is stolen and my finances are wrecked? What if I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time 
and I'm involved in a mass shooting? What if I'm put in a position to do public speaking and I am scared to do public speaking? They all revolve around what if, things that could happen. So we see that putting all our past, all our focus on the past, or all our focus on the future can be very problematic. You can't change the past, and the future can be scary. That's why today we're going to talk about the present. We're going to ask the question, what should we focus on right now? At this very moment, what should be my top priority as a follower of Jesus? What is it that demands my attention on this very day? So with that, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you're using one of our chair Bibles, this will be found on page 691. And if you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one home with you as you leave today. But before we read in Matthew 6, let's pray together and then we'll get started. Father, on the last weekend of 2015, we sit at a time on the calendar where it's tempting to spend all our time looking back at what's happened in 2015, Um, all the ups and all the downs, all the successes and all the failures. It's also tempting to focus a lot on 2016, trying to get an idea of what's coming and what the future holds and planning as best as we can to be ready for what the future holds. But this morning, God... I pray that we would just take a brief moment to think about right now. Not focus so much on the past, not focus so much on the future, but simply reevaluate what our mission is and what our main priority should be at this specific time. God, we love you. We thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross for us, who we celebrate and remember at communion. We thank you that he came at Christmas that we just got done celebrating. And I pray that we would keep him front and center every day as we move forward. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, starting in Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you. That's it. Before we go any further, past therefore I tell you, we need to consider the very first word that we just read. And that word is therefore. Because whenever you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, you should ask, what's it there for? The presence of the word, therefore, is often a big clue, a big hint, that you should look back at the verses that come before. So if we do that with verse 25, we go back to verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, Jesus tells his disciples not to lay up treasures on earth, but instead to lay up treasures in heaven. 
Now, as we look at ourselves, why are we sometimes tempted to lay up treasures on earth? Why do we focus so much on laying up treasures here? Well, there could be different motivations for that. Maybe sometimes it's greed. That's possible. Maybe the motivation is joy. We're looking for joy, and we hope that earthly treasures can somehow provide it. That's pretty common, too. Maybe it's short-sightedness. We saw recently in the book of Ecclesiastes how the preacher basically argued that, well, we don't know if there's an afterlife or not, so you might as well acquire as much pleasure as you possibly can in the short amount of time that you have. could be one of those motivations. But there's also another one that maybe we don't think about quite as much. A motivation for laying up treasures on earth that isn't based on greed or looking for joy or just simply short-sightedness. Sometimes our motivation may be something different. Maybe our motivation is future security. After all, think about it. Why do we save up money? Why do we plan ahead? Why do we sometimes hold on to things that we really don't even need? It's often for the sake of future security. We ask ourselves questions like, well, what if I lose my job? Back to that Chapman survey of American fears. What if I get sick? What if my identity is stolen? What if I die suddenly? What if I need that treasure in the future? I better hold on to it. Now, before we go any further, I'm not saying, and I don't think Jesus is saying, that planning ahead and saving up are bad. Those things aren't bad. However, the problem arises when we look to the money we've saved or the stuff we've acquired, the earthly treasures, for security, instead of looking at the God who saved us. After all, consider Exodus chapter 16. It's that famous story where God's people leave Egypt freed from slavery, but then they find themselves hungry. They didn't really plan ahead for how they would survive in the wilderness. That's a lot of people to provide food for, and food isn't everywhere you look. They don't know how they're going to live. But then God comes through. He provides bread from heaven, but he makes it clear to them, take enough in for one day, except on the Sabbath, of course. Don't leave any food left over. I'll provide for you each morning. Just trust me. You'll be all right. But then when God's people disobey, they try to save up some of the bread to hold on to for the next day. What happens? The manna rots. The same way moths can destroy earthly treasures. The same way rust can corrupt earthly treasures. The same way thieves can break it in and steal. Now you look at the Israelites and you really can't blame them for trying to think ahead. They thought that it might just be a good idea just to be safe, to save some bread in case God didn't come through that next morning. It's a prudent decision. It's well thought out. But it also exposes a lack of trust. So is it wise to save? Yes. Is it wise to plan ahead? Yes. Should you still go buy your planner for 2016? Yes, you should. But may we never find ourselves tempted to trust in our saving, our planning, our wealth, our possessions for future security. Because only God can provide the security that we actually 
look for. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. A question to ask is to who or what do we look for security? Do we look to our earthly treasures or do we look to God? Because if we don't look to God, it brings to light an internal lack of trust. Jesus makes it clear. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot say that your security is in God alone, but then secretly think to yourself, I'll save up just in case God can't be trusted after all. It's a challenging topic, challenging verses, and we haven't even gotten past verse 25. But don't worry, it all comes together. Because after verse 25, Jesus starts addressing something that we might all be thinking. He starts addressing where the rubber hits the road. In real life, what does this kind of trust actually look like? As we enter a new year, what does it look like to find our security in God right now, rather than our earthly treasures? Well, let's pick up in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So the phrase that we see repeated over and over from Jesus, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Some of your translations may say, don't worry. Are you starting to see how these verses can tie back to verses 19 through 24? Here, Jesus is telling his disciples not to be anxious about what will happen in the future. That makes sense because he just told them not to lay up earthly treasures. Now, as we look at 2016, there can be different ways to be anxious. There can be positive and there can be negative ways to be anxious. After all, maybe we're anxious for that wedding to come. Maybe we're anxious for that new baby to get here. Maybe we're anxious for that graduation date that we've worked so hard towards. Those are good things, but there are also bad things. Maybe we're anxious because 2016 is right around the corner and we still don't have the job that we thought we would have had by now. Maybe we're anxious because we have the health of a loved one is failing and we don't know if they're going to make it past 2016. There are good things to be anxious about. And there are bad things to be anxious about. And yet Jesus says, don't worry. He gives two examples from creation. He gives the example of the birds, the example of the flowers. The example is pretty simple. 
Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. God provides for them. He'll do the same for you. God helps them grow. He'll help you grow too. Birds and flowers don't have 401ks. They don't have disability insurance. They don't have backup plans. And yet look around. God takes care of them. They're doing all right. So don't be anxious about the things of this life. Don't be anxious about food and water and clothes. That's the kind of stuff that unbelievers get all worked up about. The people who don't believe in a God who can be trusted. But you? You believe in a God who can be trusted. You have nothing to worry about. You don't need to be anxious. So relax. God knows that you need those things. Now, We hear words like that from Jesus and we think, oh, that's inspiring, that's cute, that's warm and fuzzy, but we're all realists here, right? We're all practical people. So when we hear something like this, we can't help but be a little bit skeptical. We can't help but ask some questions. We can't help but ask, okay, now Jesus, is it really that simple? After all, lots of birds go extinct. Lots of flowers fade. And more seriously, there are lots of Christians in the world right now who don't have the things that Jesus just listed. There are Christians without food and without water and without clothes. Is Jesus misspeaking here? Well, no. This passage isn't some blanket statement about how Christians will have everything they need all the time, no matter what they do. This passage isn't about being naive, it's not about being lazy. It's not justifying Christians to lay around and make poor decisions and assume that God is going to bail them out. That's not what it is. Martin Luther once famously wrote, God provides food for the birds, but he does not drop it into their beaks. Again, not about being lazy. The main focus of the passage seems to be priorities. It seems to force us to ask that question. Do I have enough trust in God's provision? Do I trust that my security is in God so much so that I will make his priorities my priorities? Instead of worrying so much about the priorities that this life often presents to us. Earthly treasures, food, water, clothes. Let's pick up in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if we shouldn't worry so much about food and water and clothes and earthly treasures, what should we worry about? What should our priorities be? Well, the answer from Jesus is pretty clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Period. The number one priority of the disciple of Jesus at this very moment isn't saving up money so that we can have a relaxing retirement. It's not about planning ahead so that we are always in control of our own destiny and there's no reason for us to ever have to have faith about anything. The main priority of the follower of Jesus right now, at this moment, this very day, is obeying and pleasing God. 
And according to Jesus, if we focus on that, well, in the big scheme of things, we'll be all right. There's a much bigger picture to consider that Jesus is painting. According to him, life consists of more than just food and water and clothes. Now, some people might hear that and say, no, wait a minute. No, it really doesn't. I mean, you have to have food. You have to have water. You have to have clothes to survive. Life really isn't about more than that. And yet Jesus seems to be showing us that the picture is even bigger than that. The picture has eternal life to consider. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. The last passage I want to briefly talk about this morning. Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As Joshua speaks these words, he's preparing to die. Chapter 23 tells us that the end of his life is coming. He knows it. Everybody else knows it. And as Joshua spends this time talking to God's people, he reflects a lot About the past. He shares memories of how God has taken care of them. He mentions people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau. He recounts crossing the Red Sea and wandering in the wilderness after they left Egypt. Surely he's probably thinking back to all those moments in that conquest of the promised land. When he was a naive young spy who trusted God would take care of his people, even though their enemies were so much greater than they were. Maybe he's thinking back to that time that Rahab hid them when they entered the promised land. Maybe he's thinking about that time that they were able to cross the Jordan safely. That time that the walls at Jericho fell. That time that during one battle, when the sun stood still. All of those events showed a trust in God for provision, a trust in God for security. Even though the realists might have been thinking, you know what? It's just not practical to leave Egypt. It's not practical to try and cross the Red Sea. It's not practical to try and survive in the wilderness. It's not practical for us to attack these people when they're so much stronger than we are. We haven't planned to cross the Jordan. We don't have the equipment. We don't know anybody who will hide us. All the realists, all the pragmatists may have been thinking, we don't have a plan. We haven't thought ahead. This is short-sighted. This is unwise. You can't just focus on the present. You have to think about the future. You have to have a plan. You have to be organized. But Jesus seems to be saying in Matthew 6, and Joshua seems to be saying in chapter 24, choose this day who you will serve. Will you trust him or will you not trust him? Now, God has certainly provided for them in the past. Joshua already talked all about that. But there's also a lot of uncertainty about the future. 
After all, God's people may be thinking to themselves, you know, who's going to be in charge? I mean, unlike when Moses died, that hasn't been decided yet. There hasn't been any planning. There's no succession plan clearly in place. But that's when Joshua makes an ultimatum. Those words, choose this day who you will serve. Don't worry about the past. God's provided for us then. Don't worry about the future, even though it's scary and unpredictable. Right now, God's people, choose who you will serve. Choose who you will trust in. They looked at a new beginning that they could not predict. And as we enter 2016, we look at a new beginning as well that we can't predict. And in the same way that they faced that decision of who they would choose to serve, we face the same decision right now, this moment, the present. We face that decision really every single morning that we wake up. Now, some of us will leave here, and we're going to go home, and we're going to think about the past, considering 2015 is almost completely behind us. Some of us are going to leave here, and we're going to start planning for the future. We're going to buy the planner. We're going to start filling out the calendar. We're going to try to have some kind of strategy for 2016. Well, whichever boat you may be in, looking at the past or looking at the future, don't forget to stop and ask yourself, Who will I serve this day? Who will I choose this day? Perhaps the question you need to ask about is why am I so anxious for the future? Why am I so worried about the future? Maybe we need to spend more time focusing on right now. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in this moment, on this day. Because in the big scheme of things, Jesus makes it clear. Those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness don't have to worry about the future. Don't be anxious about the future. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Right now, in this moment, may we as God's people choose to serve him. No matter what's happened in the past or what may come in the future. Let's pray. Father, again, we can so often see great and wonderful value in looking at the past, just recounting all the ways that you've cared for us, all the ways that you've provided for us, all the ways that you've come through in our deepest and darkest moments. And there's also great value in thinking ahead and planning ahead and and trying to be prepared and and being good stewards of the time and the resources that you've given us. But God, I also pray that we would take just a moment as we transition from one year and into the next to ask ourselves the question, who will we serve today, right now, in this moment? Will we serve you or will we serve ourselves? Will we find our security in you or will we look to find our future security somewhere else? Will we lay up treasures on earth, or will we lay up treasures in heaven? God, again, it's so easy to be anxious and to be worried about what's coming, a future that's so unpredictable, 
a future that might have some highs, a future that might have some lows as well. But I pray that this morning we would step back and just for a moment decide to trust in you no matter what's happened in the past or what may come in the future. God, thank you that in the past you sent your son to die on the cross for us, dying that sacrificial death, paying the penalty that we couldn't pay, taking the wrath that we deserved. And God, thank you that your son will come again in the future to establish his kingdom for all to see in that day when we truly won't have anything to be anxious about. God, we look forward to that day. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you are not yet a follower of Christ, it's understandable for you to be anxious, for you to be worried about the future. Talk to one of our elders. They'll be standing at the sides of the room. They'd be happy to pray with you, happy to answer any questions that you might have about what it means to follow Christ, taking that anxiety off of yourself, and finding peace in Christ. So talk to one of those guys as we sing our last song. Again, we're very grateful for you joining us this morning, and we look forward to seeing you next week.